The Book Thingo podcast is a lively discussion about romance books, culture, and writing real books. Melanie Milburn joins us for episode 68, recorded at the Romance Writers Conference in Sydney. Book Thingo would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this episode was recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also acknowledge the contributions of Australia's Indigenous people to our shared literary heritage. Welcome to the Book Thingo podcast, talking about books we love, especially romance. Kill a fairy fast on the Book Thingo podcast. Welcome back to the Book Thingo podcast. I'm Kat Mayo from bookthingo.com.au, an Aussie blog for romance readers. Today, I'm heading back to RWA 2018 with Melanie Milburn. Melanie is a category romance author with 80 books under her belt. Actually, probably more than that by now. We sat down together for an incredibly frank discussion about how she reconciles her feminism with some of the more problematic tropes in romance. You can find information on the titles and authors we talk about in this episode by going to bookthingo.com.au slash podcast and clicking on episode number 68. And if you're on Twitter, you can live tweet while listening to the show using the hashtag BTPod. So Melanie Milburn, thank you for joining us at the Book Thingo podcast. I really wanted to talk to you about your ARA speech. ARA is the Australian Romance Readers Association and every year they hold an awards night um, and you were the keynote for this year's awards night. So your speech basically talked about I guess your journey as a writer into examining the types of characters that you write about and maybe where there are gaps in sort of your personal thoughts on on how you go about redressing some of those gaps that have existed for a while. So do you want to tell us a little bit about it? You know, I've been writing Category Romance now for, I think this is my 15th year. And so, you know, upwards of sometimes six books a year now and four books a year but there's a lot of books a lot of words a lot of scenes a lot of characters and I was reflecting on how my characterization of men in particular was undergoing a change and women too but particularly in the light of the Me Too movement I mean even before that though I can't say the Me Too movement was the thing that was the trigger I was already struggling with some of the story tropes because I thought they clashed with my feminist values such as story tropes such as um, the revenge or blackmail plot. It troubled me that if someone is in a is blackmailed into a relationship, even if the sex on the surface is consensual, is it really, you know, consensual because she wouldn't have been in that relationship if she hadn't been blackmailed or you know, into it. So to me that was troubling. So just to give some context to readers who might not have read your work before, mm. you primarily write category romance yes, for yeah. the Harlequin Presents slash... Modern, line, stroke, sexy. Yes, yes. so, so, so the story brief is, you know, alpha heroes, super alpha heroes, very wealthy and the heroines can be whatever we want to make them, but the heroes are a particular breed, so they're, they're alpha. A particular um, breed, I like Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 successful and, you know, self-made and all that sort of stuff. So type A personality yes, heroes, yes, really. Yes, yeah, type, type A on steroids, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your observations? What are some of the things that, as a writer, you've sort of started to um, interrogate and maybe consciously look at in your in your own work? Well, I think what triggered, probably, when I think back, 
right now is that I was reading other people's work and thinking, oh, I feel uncomfortable. You know, I wouldn't write it this way. And I'm thinking, well, well, if I'm uncomfortable, then there will be, you know, I can't speak for every reader, but I am a romance reader. So if I'm uncomfortable, then some of my readers might be uncomfortable if I was to write a hero like that, doing or saying that sort of thing. Let me give an example. Like probably 10 years ago, maybe even seven years ago, I read a book where in the, not my own, but someone else's book, where in the opening scene, the hero is having a blowjob by somebody in his office and he gets a call from his ex-wife to me that was just it just pulled me I couldn't read the book I thought oh my gosh I don't like you you're a creep you know and so and that's a pretty extreme example but so I, I wouldn't have written that sort of hero anyway but I stopped to think about well what sort of hero am I writing and you know even things like in a, in a romance novel sometimes a hero might restrain a woman like touch her on the arm to stop her leaving you know how acceptable is that you know if a man was to grab you by the arm to stop you leaving is that is that that's assault so and there's that sort of um stereotypical scene that I still as a reader sort of have mixed feelings about where in a scene where you have the hero and heroine angry at each other mm. and he pulls her back and gives her a kiss. Yes, the punishing kiss. Yeah, and, yes, and it's always yes. like, I think in the past that's always become sort of, it's a passionate kiss and she's, it's not that she's not consenting, but she's also not not consenting. Yes, Whereas yes. now if I read that, I'm just going to be a little bit more disturbed by that scene and Absolutely. what it implies. I, I've actually written kisses in, in my backlist where there's been blood drawn, like someone's got a split lip or something or, I mean... I couldn't write that now, but I did back then. I, I, I guess, even though I felt uncomfortable, I think I thought it was what was expected of this of that story type. Um, so two things. One is in your speech, you did talk about how you think back to your past works and sort of think about, you know, it takes a kind of a level of self-awareness to be able to go back and say, oh, I don't know whether that's a scene that I should have written that way. But also... Kate Cuthbert's keynote speech today talked about how, as writers, there's a sense where you have to forgive what you've written in the past because now you've kind of learned better, but it's not like you can change what you've done before. So are there mixed feelings about thinking about your past work that you wish you had written in a different way now? Or is it just kind of like that was acceptable then and now, I, you know, we move on? Well, I think... Look, I, I'm embarrassed on many levels of some of my early books. And I, I think if you ask any writer, they would probably like to pull back some of the, the early stuff because writing is a journey. And so you, you start out and you you learn as you go. I mean, nobody sort of, just because you got a first book contract doesn't mean you're a brilliant writer. Like the first 50 books was how I, where I learned to write. And that was it, unfortunately in the public sphere. And then, you know, now I just keep working on getting better and better if I can. Yeah, so I think lots of people do struggle with, writers do struggle. Some, if they were honest, say, well, you know, I would like to rewrite that. But I, you do change your views too, and society changes around you. And I think romance novels have always been really good at adjusting to the market. But I think in this era, a little slow in changing. And, and I think there'll be resistance from some authors, definitely. Do you think that's partly a generational thing? For example, people who have read in the genre for 20 to 30 years... Um, have read a lot of those books that some newer readers might find unacceptable. So they'd be like, you know, yes, it's kind of not right, but it's not that bad. Whereas readers who are new to the genre will be, might be more resistant to reading the older, mm. hyper-masculine, aggressive tropes. I think it's a bit like, um, you know, when feminism sort of started really um, 
showcasing issues and there were the, you know the women that did not perceive themselves as marginalized you know were quite oppositional to the, the you know feminisms but it's you know they're almost like they've been colonized yeah. and i think i think there probably is a danger of that in that we um that some readers just may be so happy within this little bubble of romantic fantasy that they fail to realize that other people who are who you know younger people may pick it up and think oh this is must be how it works you know um because people say oh well it's a fantasy and you know yes and we people say that about porn but look what that's done look yeah. what look at we've got this huge problem with porn culture and rape culture now and it's not that boys and men are stupid and and don't know reality from fantasy they do but their expectation changes with what they feed their their visual the visual stimulus is feeding a sort of you know a desire that is not actually you know reality and, yeah, and, and i guess it promotes some stereotypes yes that yeah. are ahead of others that might might not be as healthy that's right that's right so so if you're going to apply that argument to romantic fiction you know you know you need to apply it to other th- yeah because you know, i struggle with this as mm. well because one part of me wants to say you know it's it's a uh, fantasy it's fiction mm. But then another part of me knows that, yes, there, there are certain things that when we highlight them too much in the genre, they become the dominant mm. um, narrative around mm. what a hero is. I don't know that it's damaging, but it's not, it's not positive. It's probably not helping. I mean, yeah. it, you know, that, and, and it's really great in romance novels that we have the growth from emotional immaturity to maturity, you know, that, that people who are unable to bond finally solve those issues and then bond. That's fabulous. But can't we also work at, you know, sexual maturity so that it's not just great sex, but it's great sex, consensual sex at every step of the way. It's safe and respectful and nobody's getting... Because you know, often it's it's often the man who's the aggressor, not the woman. So it, it's not actually really equitable between characters in romance either so there's, I think yes, that's part of the problem that's right there's the pursued and the pursuer and it's hard I mean in, certainly in some sub genres of romance you know it's you know you can have the more sexually aggressive female and whatever and that's great but in some like from mine you know our reader base they don't really like heroines who've been well, around anecdotally I've heard that yeah like either a sexually sort of more adventurous heroine or a more personality wise a more aggressive heroine mm. tends to get more negative feedback yes yeah from, that's right from readers. Yeah, yeah that's right you talked about your feminism and how it intersects with your life as a romance writer has that always been something that you've had to maneuver because for a very long time feminism and the romance genre have not sort of been <laughs> intersecting I've always felt a tension between what I do and my feminist beliefs I really have I, I just I thought I was letting the sisterhood down by choosing to write romance, but I love romance and I love, I love the story tropes and I love and I do love the fantasy of it. But but it's not just the fantasy; I love the reality of it too. Like I try to write not just, you know, I do write larger than life characters, but I like them to be based in reality, so someone that you could actually meet. So I like them to reflect real life and whatever. But no, I've always felt the tension. I you know if I if I a master to a certain story type, I think, oh, God, you know, this is, but I'll do it. And, you know, and, and even things like, you know, readers don't like you to make a comment. I read a book once where the heroine had had an abortion. Well, I mean, That's I had so people great. just throwing it across the room and telling me so. And I thought, but this is the reality of women's lives and I don't want to be... So what's the title of that book? It was a Sydney Hospital, Harbour Hospital continuity. Okay, I'm going to have to look, one, look that up because... Um... 
Yeah, she's had an abortion in the back story, not in the front story. Okay, mm. but even then it's But so it was his baby, so... Mm. Oh, mm. that's really unusual. Yeah, but it was in the storyline. Lexi's Secret? And it was, yes, Lexi's Secret. And it wasn't my storyline, it was what given, the storyline was given to me. So I wrote, you know, that was a continuity, so the editorial sends you the Bible, the story Bible, other authors writing the other stories, you know, and whatever, and we have the continuity characters going through. I wasn't uncomfortable with writing it because I think it's a reality of many women's lives and I would hate a reader to think that in reading a book that I was saying that they were wrong to have an abortion or, or whatever. I mean, I th- you know, I think this is the 21st century, hello. Yeah. You know, but I think it is difficult. I mean, you're always going to polarise people, of course. So. so did you get much negative reaction? I did. You? Actually, I was giving another talk. I was on another panel, actually, I think, when someone from the audience said I threw that book across the room because it was... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think yeah, I was yeah, an audience Yeah, you, I think you panel. might have been there. Yeah, but um, she's lovely about it, and I explained. But she had very strong views about that, so that, that was fine. And I do, and I get that. I t- totally get that. So, so that's where, you know, it is tricky sometimes. You're writing about stuff that, you know, from a feminist perspective is a bit uncomfortable, a bit right. troubling. Hmm. What's your sense of how self-publishing may or may not have changed the types of stories that we can tell? I think what traditional publishers did not realise was that if they had fairly narrow guidelines about what, what stories they wanted, they weren't factoring the storylines that other people, that the reader base did want, you know, that would buy. Just because they didn't want to publish them didn't mean that they weren't wanted. And I think that's what the indie market has shown, that readers do want to hear about you know not just billionaires but they want to hear about mechanics and tradies and stuff you know the tradie gets a lady kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes yeah that's it yeah so so i think yeah that broader range of stories and that's where i mean harlequin's done with the escape publishing and you know this lovely broad digital first arm which is a really good way of, of grabbing those stories and getting them out to people so You've been writing for 15 years. How many books do you have out now? I've just handed in my 80th book. Awesome. Mm. Congratulations. Has that been all within Mills and Boone? Yeah, I have I have just stayed loyal to Harlequin. I actually, for a number of reasons, I, firstly, I just have a you know, busy life and you know, um, juggling family responsibilities and a career is not easy, especially when you're married to a medical specialist. So <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> and so I've, made, I've deliberately made that choice to sort of, and I think too, you can actually, and I've seen this, you, people can spread themselves too thinly and then, no, then the discoverability thing gets shot to pieces. So there's so many books out there, you don't know where, that, you know, where, where your next one's coming from. So I, I, I made a conscious decision to stay with Harlequin and just, you know, but I never say never, but I, I really, but also I've really invested a lot of time and energy into perfecting or not perfecting this it's presumptuous but you know really honing my craft and I think that it would be a shame just to walk away from that and writing category romance for me as a reader I think that it's a specialized skill as a writer because when I read some books that are similar length that are not sort of category imprint books obviously there's a sense as a reader that I get where the pacing for me feels off. Mm. So I guess it's partly me as a reader of category romance expecting something that they've obviously not promised. But also there's the cadence to category romance mm. that's familiar and comforting, even though the story obviously is always different with mm. each book. I, I really, what I love about category is that it's, well, it's, it's, a, really, it's a really big skill. Like it's a skill set. But the thing that I don't like, well, the criticism I don't like, and I, you hear this sometimes, is that people think if, you, if you're not writing single title that you haven't quite grown up as a writer. But it's actually really hard to write category. It's actually harder to write short than it is to write long. 
we don't have time in a category for subplots or we have a subplot, but you don't have time for too many subsidiary characters and whatever. So, you know, you, it, it's down to the issues, the internal and external conflict that's there. You don't have a lot of time to... Well, you know. there's always that thing of people who are slightly cynical or um, sarcastic, I guess, about the genre, talking about, oh, I can just write a Mills and Boone. But when you actually challenge them, it's not easy. Do you know what? I have, I'm married to a surgeon and I have yet to hear someone say to my husband when they find out what he does, oh, I've always wanted to take out an appendix. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd never hear that. But do you know what they say to me every time? Oh, I've always thought I could write a book. And I think, well, go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. Like, you know... It's a lot harder than people think, mm-hmm. even just to finish a book, mm-hmm. not even to mm-hmm. write a good book. Well, yes, but, I, you know, some books are easier than others, and I think possibly everybody's got a book in them, and we're natural storytellers. We've sit around, been sitting around campfires for, you know, centuries. But I think, you know, to keep writing a consistently good book, that's the crunch. It's, hard, it's harder and harder as, you, you know, you've already done that story trope ten times, so how are you going to bring a fresh angle right. on it and, you know, that sort of stuff. But that's the challenge that I love, actually. I love finding new ways to do the same story and new characters and, you know, it's just, it's, it's really, that's the challenge that, that I love rising to. One of the other themes that you brought up in your Iris speech was around diversity and this is something that the call for diversity in romance has been growing in Australia. Is there room for diversity in category romance? I think it's already happening. Okay. Maisie Yates has done a, a Black Princess. So, like, it is happening. I think, you know, I'm surprised readers haven't asked for it earlier. Like, it's, and I'm ashamed that I haven't done anything earlier, you know, I haven't been aware of it, but then we've all got our bias or cultural blindness, haven't we? So I think, and I speak personally with this, like, white writers struggle to... They're frightened of writing something that's too stereotypical or being wrong. And so that, I think that's why we can shy away from stuff like, think, oh, God. But writing is, you know, you research. If you don't know it, you know, you haven't got any memory of it or any experience of it, then go and research. But even still, there is that sort of, oh, write what you know, and I don't know that. And you know. It's somewhat of a catch-22, I think, as well, because if there are not enough books out there with characters of colour, mm. then the ones that do get written with characters of colour get the magnifying you know, it's glass. It's like a fine yeah, tooth comb going through I the know. text. Like, for instance, if you wrote, like, the book that I've just written, The Hero, it comes from a very, very difficult background, it comes from a criminal background. But if I had, if he was black and he came from a criminal background, it would look like it would that be I'm stereotyped. Yes, and lens, so I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do that. So, Well, I, I actually think the solution is that we just need more books written with... Yeah characters of different backgrounds so that not one thing stands out in the in the body of work yes that's right so then what are you currently working on I've been writing this I just finished this book the 80th book and I the the criminal background hero oh 80th book so is there going to be like a special party for the oh no no probably oh maybe but as it often happens in the creative process, uh, uh, there is another character in that book, his younger sister, who also comes from this criminal background. And her personality seemed to bounce off the but Not so much that she overtook the story at all, but I thought, oh, I like you. And so I'm, the next book I write, um, when I get back from this conference, after I finish my two hours of revisions, I've just got a few more tweaks to do on that book, um, I'm going to start writing Carly's story, which I'm really excited about because she's she's quite damaged. Can you give us some names of authors and books that you've been reading that you've been enjoying? Do you read while you write? I read a little bit of my romance, but I tend not to read romance, particularly category romance, when I'm writing a book because I don't want to get, you know, the subconscious subconscious is so weird how it just soaks up stuff and then you suddenly find you writing someone else's stuff. No, I'm reading Meg Wallitz's The Female Persuasion because I'd seen a review about the wife, about the film, her book, 
is turning into film, The Wife, and I really want to read that, and I couldn't get her, her that book. Uh, I'd had to order it, so that I'm reading that. And before that, I had read Tim Winton's The Shepherd's Hut, which I really enjoyed, and a fair bit of crime fiction I read as well, which probably seems odd for a romance author to read. Not so odd. I've noticed a growing trend of romance mm. authors sort of branching out into crime fiction. Mm. And some, you know, I mean, there's romantic suspense, but, for yeah. example, Victoria Dahl has just mm. written a sort of a revenge thriller but yeah. the heroine is the one taking revenge which oh. is a nice um a nice switch i think it's called jane doe and she's writing under victoria stone oh, okay. i think is yeah. her non-romance i wonder name. if it's just that sort of you know the emotional intensity of writing romance and then just having you know another intensity like and i think because of... there's um justice at the end i think that yes, justice at yeah. the end is really important to romance readers yes it is and it translates really well in crime it's another version of the happy ending isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. well i i can't remember who it was on twitter and i apologize in advance if they're listening to this podcast but they basically explained to someone who was not a romance reader who was asking you know why do you read romance and they basically said it's like a crime fiction novel where solving the mystery is the ATA, is the yeah, happy ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It is very satisfying when it's done well and you sort of think, what well, yeah. all is right with the world now, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I do like, I read a lot of memoir as well because that is such a treasure trove for story ideas and for personalities yes, yes, and decisions and that people yes, make. Yeah, yeah. And I love biography, of course, as well. And But I, I really love good writing and I really love literary fiction as well. But so who I, are your, some, some of your favourite literary authors? Well, some. We're going to say some because we always leave some out <laughs> well a couple of books that have really blown me away um, recently have been Sophie Laguna's The Choke I love that I absolutely love that uh, debut author by um, Daniel Talents, My Absolute Darlings I mean the horrible subject matter child abuse but you know I was uh, incest rather um, but beautifully written handled really really well the, the the sort of books that have really stayed with me you know that the word the word usage you know I love that when it, when, it, when I just read a phrase and think oh my gosh I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah. You know, another author I particularly like is uh, Michael Robotham, okay. crime fiction and stuff. He's a very, very, very talented writer, very fresh. Those are very different to romance. Mm. Um, do you sort of alternate between literary fiction and romance or you just... I'm getting to the point now, and I'm a very fast reader, and so I go... I was going to say, yeah, time is yeah, also yeah, a yeah, thing. No, I read very, very quickly. I go to the, you know, you go to the bestseller wall at the, my local books and I think, oh, I read that, read that, read that, you know. So I do, I do um, check out reviews in the Weekend Australian or whatever and I think, oh, I, I interviews and stuff, oh, that sounds really interesting and I will, a good blurb will sell, will sell the book to me and the good premise and that sort of stuff. And I don't finish every book that I read. Like some books are talked up and, I think, and they're a bit of disappointing. I usually try and give it a second go though because sometimes a book can catch me at a wrong it's, time. Yeah, if you're in, the you ba- in a bad mood. Yeah, and or in, something's happened and I'm right. just, I'm tired and I've read three pages and I haven't taken anything in so then I give it a, I get, because I'm an author and I, so I know what that you know I, I would hate people to sort of give up and one final question after 80 books where do you find your inspiration from I haven't gone out of sight of my family yet <laughs> no I'm joking um, <laughs> I was wondering if there was going to be a, uh, just kidding <laughs> hi mum <laughs> oh, no. no um Yes, you, I think to be a really successful romance author, you need a wacky family. You really do. It helps. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the Book Thingo podcast you, and all you. the best for book number 80. 81. 81. 81. Yes, coming up. <laughs> Thank you. 
that is it for another episode. Huge thanks to our amazing audio producer, Rudy Bremer. You can find the show notes for episode 68 at bookthingo.com.au slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other listeners like you find the show. And a quick shout out to Stephanie14, who left us a five-star review. She says, we're one of the best podcasts ever for book news, author interviews, discussions, and all things books in Oz. Thanks, Stephanie14. It's always exciting to discover fellow romance readers in Australia. In the next episode, author Aislinn Kearns educates Rudy and me about the romantic potential of 80s action films and we assess our capacity to survive an apocalypse in the meantime please visit us at bookthingo.com.au and have a fabulous fortnight of reading